I'm Sue Alvis from the blog Stories of an Unschooling Family. Welcome to my podcast. This is episode 46, and today I want to talk about social media. But before I get into likes and tweets and pinning, I'd just like to talk about a few updates to some previous podcasts. Now, I think it was in episode 34, I was telling you about Sophie's passion for fitness. She discovered a website called Fitness Blender. They also have a YouTube channel. And she decided that she was going to get fit using these workouts. Now, Sophie's already a runner, but she was having trouble running outside during the winter because of her asthma. The cold air was exasperating it and... Many times she had to stop running, have a puff of her ventolin, and she wasn't able to run as far as she could. So over the winter, she looked for alternate ways of exercising, and she discovered Fitness Blender. I think I've mentioned this a few times. Yes, and I think it was in episode 34, I was telling you how I had had a go of Fitness Blender, one of the workouts. I'd shared Sophie's passion. She was very excited that I took an interest in her interest. Now, we only did one workout. I didn't get really excited about it like Sophie has. It was hard work. I decided that I preferred running. But this doesn't mean that I haven't had the thought of Fitness Blender in the back of my mind for a while. Actually, I've been thinking about extending my exercise for about a year now. It was in one of my really early podcasts, maybe episode three. I was talking about fitness and exercise and telling everybody how I am aerobically fit. I told the story of how I became a runner. And then on one day, a particularly lovely sunny day, I was running through the bush, really enjoying myself. And I wanted to remember that day forever. So I asked one of the girls to take some photos of me on my iPod, just so that I'd have some memories of that lovely day running. And afterwards, when I looked at those photos, I was distressed to find out that my middle region wasn't quite as tight as I imagined it was. I used to have very strong muscles, a very strong core, and strong arms as well, because I used to do weight routines. I was also a big fan of Pilates. But then when I took up running, I dropped everything else. Running took up all of my time and I wasn't really willing to do anything extra. But since that podcast, over a year ago I think it was, the thought that I should be working on my muscles as well as on my aerobic fitness has sort of been worrying me. Yeah, at the back of my mind. But the thought of doing double exercise hasn't been appealing, and also the thought of going through those early stages of the workouts when they're really hard work and all the muscles are tired and sore, it's not attractive at all. But last week, I had a change of heart. I've been watching Sophie. She's 14, and she has just completed an eight-week fitness blender program. And I've watched her every day, well, five days out of seven. And sometimes she has done other exercise on the two rest days as well. I've watched her come out of her room after exercising with sweat dripping off her, desperate for some water, but with a big grin on her face. She's worked hard. She's put herself to the challenge. And she has kept on going back day after day, even though it is hard work. 
and this made me think about it. Perhaps I should just bite the bullet and do it too. So the other day I discussed this with Sophie. She was telling me that Fitness Blender have some new workouts available. The husband and wife team, after a break, have come back with some new routines. And as Sophie seemed really excited by the thought of this, I asked her to show me. I asked her to get out her computer and I sat side by side with her and took an interest in what was interesting her. Before I knew it, I was agreeing to sign up for a program. Sophie found me one that was ideal for people like me who exercise regularly and so don't want five workouts to do each week, but they want something extra on top of what they're already doing. And so she found me one with three workouts per week. It's an eight-week program, so what's that? Eight threes are 24 workouts, and that's what I have pledged to do. Now Sophie decided that she would do this with me. She's going to do this exact routine with me, and in between she's going to go back outside and she's going to run again, build up her running once more now that the weather has warmed up, because of course it's spring here in Australia now. The air is no longer cold. We actually have the other problem now. It's getting warm and we're having to choose carefully our time of day to go out and exercise because the heat can be very draining. It can put us off wanting to exercise. So I've moved back to exercising before breakfast in the cool of the morning. And Sophie says she's going to join me. She's going to run with me and then on the in-between days, we're going to do our workouts, our Fitness Blender workouts. And we're going to get really fit and in shape, meet our goals, and I guess we're going to feel good about ourselves. This doesn't mean that I don't dread these workouts. And the other day, I actually had to start. I signed up, and then a few days later, we actually had to begin. And the first day was Tuesday. We had to do a fitness test. The first part was a run. We had to run a mile, or 1.6k, as fast as we could. Now Sophie chose to do her run on the treadmill, but I don't like treadmill running, and I said I'd go out down to the park and I would run my mile around the playing field. The only problem was it was a very warm day. It was 31 degrees Celsius. I don't really know what that is in Fahrenheit, but it felt very warm to me, and there was a strong wind blowing, which I had to run through. And so it wasn't ideal running conditions, but I'd said I'd start this program on Tuesday. It was in my schedule, and I didn't want to make an excuse on the very first day, so I got my shorts on and my running shoes, and I headed out the door with my GPS watch so that I could make sure that I was running exactly 1.6K. And I ran round this field, the soccer fields, three and a bit times, as fast as I could. I didn't do too badly. The running wasn't that bad, except the heat was very draining, and I had to plod on home. I felt that that was enough exercise for one day, but I still had to do the other parts of the fitness test. As many squats as I could, I had to do a plank for as long as I could, push-ups, and a stretching exercise. Well, by the time I'd finished all that, sweat was dripping off me, and I was aching. I don't think I did too well on the push-ups especially. My arms just don't have very strong muscles anymore. But I did the fitness test. I started program. It was quite a relief on Wednesday just to go for a run. But yesterday I had to do the first real workout of the program. And Sophie went off to her room and I went off to my room and we both worked out. And then afterwards we joined up in the kitchen for a, a big glass of water. 
Sophie was eager to hear how I'd got on. Her eyes were shining. She was enthusiastic. You could see that she'd enjoyed her workout, and she said, how "Did you enjoy that, Mum? What do you think of Fitness Blender? It's great, isn't it? Are you looking forward to the next workout?" Well, I have to admit that it was hard work, and I'm not really looking forward to the next workout. I knew my muscles weren't very strong. Now I'm sure they're not very strong. My coordination is poor, and so is my balance. But Sophie tells me that I'll get used to it, that my muscles will get stronger, and that I'll be able to do all these balances, and I'll feel more coordinated as I get used to what I'm doing. I've got to persevere. When I got up this morning, I got out of bed, and I had to hobble off to the bathroom for my shower because my muscles are screaming. I have discovered that even though I'm a runner, there's lots of muscles in my legs which just come along for the ride. They don't actually do anything while I'm running. They just yep sit there while certain muscles in my legs are doing all the work. And the first thing I thought this morning was, how am I going to do my fitness blender workout today? I ache. Can I really do one? And then I remembered something wonderful. I don't have to do a fitness blender workout today. It's not on the schedule until tomorrow. All I have to do today is run 5k. All I have to do today is run 5k. I never thought I would be saying those words. When I became a runner, I could hardly run one side of the playing fields. To think that I could say that running 5k would be easy—that would be an impossible thought. But I've got to that stage, and this is what gives me hope for the fitness blender workouts. I push myself to run, and I'm sure if I push myself through these workouts, one day I'm going to find them as enjoyable as Sophie does. So I'm going to push on, and mainly I'm going to push on because Sophie is encouraging me, because I want to follow her good example, and I also want to share her interest because there is great pleasure, not just for her. Because I'm taking an interest in what she likes to do, but also for me, we're able to chat about these things, and it is fun sharing something new, something that my daughter can teach me and share with me. Yes, I'm going to push on, and there's another reason I'm going to get even more fit. Sometimes I think that it would be very easy for me to slip into an inactive old age, just let myself go. Look, I'm not that young anymore. Why bother? It would be much easier to accept the fact that I'm not as fit as I could be. To let myself gain a little bit of weight, wouldn't I be just as happy if I did that? Because being fit isn't going to make me a better person, a better-looking person, maybe. But that sort of thing isn't important in the whole scheme of things. But there is a good reason why I want to continue exercising, and Sophie put it into words yesterday. We were walking down the bush tracks with the dog, and we were talking as usual as we were walking along. And she suddenly burst out with a sentence about how she has been feeling so good since she's been exercising. And she said it's not because she's eating well and getting fit. The main benefit is because it makes her feel good about herself. It affects how she's looking at life. It's a mental thing as well as a physical thing, and I identified with that. I feel much better and happier knowing that I am eating well and I am active. I think I'd feel really guilty if I just stayed at home each day on the sofa and read a book or 
more likely spent more time on the computer and didn't make myself get outside and do something. And ultimately, what I do is an example for my children. I have four girls at home still, and I want to be a good example for them. I want them to have a healthy outlook on life, to get out there, use their bodies, to be strong, to be able to do things. I think being strong and active gives girls confidence. And I must admit that it is good at my age to be able to say to people, I'm a runner, I can run. And knowing that everybody could do the same as I'm doing, but they haven't actually chosen to do it, I have. And I've met a goal. That feels good. So if anybody has been thinking about getting fit and just needs a little push, I just like to say, go out there, get going, make a start, because you won't regret it. And if I can do it, anybody can. Before I finish on exercise, I have a question. Now, my exercise is affected very much by the weather. I don't like treadmill running, so I try and run outside all year round. But I know that a lot of my friends, maybe a lot of listeners to this podcast, live in areas where it is just not possible to exercise outside during the winter. We have cold temperatures and icy winds sometimes, but we don't have snow on the ground. And as long as we put on enough warm clothing and mentally prepare ourselves, it is possible for us to go out there and do what we like outside. But what do people do that live in countries where that's impossible? Do you go skiing rather than running maybe? Is there lots of outdoor activities that you can do that I can't do? Or do you exercise inside? Do you exercise on the treadmill or do aerobic routines? to workouts, to things like Fitness Blender. Does the weather affect the way you feel about exercise? If anybody would like to stop by my blog and make a comment, I'd be really interested to hear about how you exercise in the conditions you have in your country. So on to social media. Many, many years ago, I went to a homeschool talk where we were warned about social media and our children, all the dangers there are on such platforms as Facebook, all the things that could happen to our children if we let them have free access to social media. And I wonder if we can really prevent our children from having, say, a Facebook account. I know of some children who have defied their parents and signed up to Facebook without their parents' knowledge. Eventually, the parents found out, and there was a big upset about the whole thing. And I know in one particular case, one parent rethought Facebook and what it meant to her child and did actually agree for that child to be on Facebook. I can remember being advised that if our children are on Facebook, then we should get on Facebook as well. We should let our children have an account if they are willing to have us as their Facebook friend. So we can keep an eye on them, see what they're doing, see who they're friending, see what they're posting. Maybe it'll keep them from straying, keep them safe. I don't know. I didn't actually join Facebook to keep an eye on my children. I joined Facebook so that I would have closer contact with my eldest daughter, Felicity, who lives on the other side of Australia from us. I thought it might be a good way of sharing photos and other little snippets of our lives. All my children, except Gemma Rose, have a Facebook account. 
but hardly any of them ever go on Facebook. Sophie only joined because she wanted to join Podbean and she couldn't sign up the usual way. She was having problems signing up and there was an alternative method of signing up and that was through a Facebook account. So I said to her, look, why don't you join Facebook? We can always delete your account later, but it might help you sign up for Podbean. And so that's what she did. She has a few friends that asked if they could be her friend. Most of them are close friends and family, but she has never requested anyone's friendship while she's been on Facebook. And I don't think that she actually goes on Facebook very often at all. I think the person who uses Facebook most in our family is me. I belong to a lot of Facebook groups. So many, I can't keep up with them all. And weeks and weeks and weeks will go by, and I won't have visited any of these groups. I don't think any of my family are real Facebook addicts. But it is a way of connecting with people. People expect you to be on Facebook these days. I do find it's a good way of sending messages to people. I don't have to have their email addresses and I can be pretty certain that they'll see my messages and respond very quickly. I used to have a Facebook account for my blog, Stories of an Unschooling Family. I also had another one for my other blog, Sue Elvis Brights. And actually I have a few other Facebook pages which no one visits and I don't advertise even though they're public. But some weeks ago I deactivated my blog Facebook pages. I enjoyed posting on my blog Facebook pages. I did actually like them. It was a good way of sharing links with readers, having chats with them. We've had some good conversations on Facebook. But what I don't like about Facebook is how I have to be competitive. I get the feeling that I have to persuade people to like my page, to read my posts. All I'm really interested in doing is passing on interesting resources to people that might be interested in my blog. A few months ago, Facebook started posting the page stats where I could see them underneath each post. So it would tell me how many people had actually seen the post and how many people had actually clicked onto the link that I was posting. And the stats were very depressing sometimes. It started to worry me that maybe only 10 people had actually seen the post and that even less people had bothered to click through to the resource that I was um, telling them about. I began to feel a bit of a failure as far as Facebook went. And then I decided that I didn't join Facebook and create a, a Facebook page in order to be popular and that I was feeling compelled to increase my popularity. What am I doing wrong? What should I do to make my stats look better? And when I got to that stage, I decided that Facebook wasn't worth it for me. There must be some other better way of connecting with readers of my blog. So I deactivated my pages. I felt a little bit sad about this because I do miss the conversations that I have on Facebook. Not everybody comes over to my blog to leave a comment. People were more inclined to leave a comment on Facebook and we did have some nice conversations and I haven't heard from certain people that used to chat with me on Facebook since I deactivated my pages. So after I did close my pages, I decided that I would go over to Twitter and have a look at Twitter. What does Twitter have to offer? Now I've had a Twitter account for as long as I've had a Facebook account, but it's one place that I never go. Well, I didn't used to go. I get all my blog posts notifications 
automatically published to Twitter. So I don't really have to go over there if all I want to do is let people know that I have just published a new blog post. But I've never got involved in any Twitter conversations or had a look at what other people are offering or the other links that all my Twitter followers and uh, people that I follow on Twitter are actually posting up. So I have been spending a bit of time on Twitter. And this is what I have discovered. That Twitter is a never-ending circle of retweeting and favoriting. I post something. Someone retweets it. They favorite it. And then I do the same for them. I retweet something that they've tweeted. I make it a favorite. They come back and they retweet my retweet. And they favorite my favorite. I think I'm getting confused here, but it goes round and round in circles. It seems to me that there is no end to the times that you can retweet one tweet. And I get lost and I get behind and other people keep retweeting my stuff and I forget to retweet theirs. And sometimes I wonder, does anyone ever stop and read the posts that are linked to the tweets? Or are we just retweeting all the time? Does anybody ever read anything? So if people are retweeting all my tweets, are they ever coming over to my blog anyway and seeing what I have to offer? I have followed the links for some people's tweets, but I haven't had time to read everything either. It just seems to me that we're advertising each other, but nobody's reading. So over the last few days, I, have, I haven't been over to Twitter. The novelty has worn off a bit. I've stepped back. I've been thinking, I can't keep up with Twitter. It's becoming a problem as well. Now I want to tell you about one form of social media that I am enjoying, and that's Pinterest. I've had a Pinterest account for a while now, and I created a few boards. I put a few pins on my boards, and then I never went back and visited my account ever again. But those few boards were followed by a few faithful friends, and one friend one day told another friend that I had some boards. She should go and have a look at them. And then I felt a bit guilty about the whole thing. I thought, there's not much on my boards. What if that friend of a friend goes to my Pinterest boards and um, expecting to see some useful stuff, and then there's not much there at all. So I felt compelled to update my boards, to put all the latest resources that I had discovered onto my Pinterest boards. And as I was doing this, I thought, wow, this is a great way of sharing resources with other people. Not only can I tell them about the resources, the link goes up there. They only have to click onto the link and it takes them straight to the resource I want to tell them about. So I got very enthusiastic. I started pinning all sorts of things onto boards and creating more boards. And in particular, I created a Shakespeare board for two friends who had asked me about my favorite Shakespeare resources. I thought, yeah, this is a perfect way of sharing all my resources. I could list them on my blog, but this is even better. All I have to do now is direct my blog readers to my Pinterest boards if they would like to see all the latest things that I have discovered. So that's what I've been doing. I think it's a wonderful way of sharing what I have discovered on the internet. And I hope that readers of my blog will find my boards helpful. And why I like this form of social media is because it is exactly that, helpful. It doesn't feel like a competition. I'm looking for things to put on my boards. 
but they're also things that I'm going to be using with my girls. So it's helpful for me and it might be helpful for other people. I'm not looking for to drive traffic to my blog particularly. I'm not competing with other people who have uh, other accounts. I'm just doing something that I enjoy and I hope that other people will find it helpful. Yeah, I'm not looking at it as a popularity com contest. While I've been discovering how to use Pinterest to its best effect, because I didn't at first realize that I could upload my own pictures and my own information into Pinterest, I thought that I could only share stuff that is already on the internet. Yeah, while I was finding out more about the ins and outs of Pinterest, I came across a few articles about how I could use Pinterest to promote a book. And as most people know, I have written a couple of books. One in particular is my children's novel, The Angels of Abbey Creek. Now, I haven't done much promotion of my book. I'm not very comfortable putting myself out there and saying, hey, read my book, please buy a copy of my book. I do believe in my book. I'm happy with the story that I have written. And I would like people to read it. But something does stop me from going out there and being a salesperson for my own work. It's just not who I am. So most of the promotion has been done through my friends, very kind friends, who've written a few reviews for me on Amazon. A few people have written blog posts about my book. And I'm very grateful to people like that for helping me. But I have found a way of letting people know about my book in a way that I feel comfortable with. I don't feel I'm pushing myself onto people. I have created a Pinterest board for my book, The Angels of Abbey Creek. It's a peek into the world of my angels characters. I'm posting up information about the book, little snippets of reviews, pictures of the characters that my daughter Charlotte has drawn. I probably put some pictures out of the book onto my board as well. All sorts of other interesting information such as a little video I've put up there about an echidna because in one chapter of the book, the angel family go for a bushwalk on a birthday and they see an echidna. And I've been told by my American friends, well, some of them, that they didn't know what an echidna was. So they went and Googled it and, yeah, discovered more about this Australian animal. And so I'm putting up some information about things that are in my book. Maybe I could add some information about other Australian animals, customs. I've got a recipe up there for Anzac biscuits, which is uniquely Australian. And also I think they have Anzac biscuits in New Zealand. But it's something that we bake on a regular basis. So I'm hoping that that board will grow and be very interesting and will give people an insight into what is actually in my story. At the same time, I think I'm going to enjoy putting the board together. So if you would like to know more about my book, please go over to Pinterest and have a look at my Angels of Abbey Creek board. Also have a look at the other boards if you would like to see what I have discovered recently. Unschooling maths resources, unschooling science, geography, history. I've got a few boards there. Now, one thing that I did put on my Angels of Abbey Creek board was a link to some Angels of Abbey Creek paper dolls. Now, this is another update. I can't remember which podcast it was that I was speaking about paper dolls. I was telling you how a couple of my daughters wanted to earn some pocket money, 
and I suggested that they make some Angels of Abbey Creek paper dolls to go with my book. And so Charlotte actually did this. She drew out all the characters as paper dolls, and then she designed enough clothes for them so that any child could act out the stories in my book. It's a completed project. She has finished that one. And I've uploaded the file to Google Drive and made a, a PayPal button, buy now button, so that if anybody would like to have a copy of the file so they can print out as many copies of the paper dolls as they'd like with the clothes, they can. I've already given the paper dolls to my goddaughter, Elizabeth. I wrote the book for Elizabeth originally, and when I gave her the, the paper dolls, she was delighted. The first thing she said was, now I'll be able to act out the Angels of Abbey Creek. And she liked this idea very much. So I'm really glad that this project has been a success as far as Elizabeth is concerned. But if anyone would like to have a look at those, I'll go to my blog, Stories of an Unschooling Family, and the links are in the sidebar. So that's a few updates, a few things about social media and exercise, my Pinterest boards. I think that's probably all I really wanted to talk about today. I haven't really had a good resource section on my podcast for the last couple of episodes, but there are a lot of resources on my Pinterest board, so I'll put a link to that in the program notes. There's also my book that you might like to go and have a read about. Have a look at the paper dolls. And I do have one other book that is Sophie's. She ordered this one and bought it. It's called Picture Perfect Social Media. A handbook for styling perfect photos, for posting, blogging, and sharing. So if you are on social media and you like posting photos to advertise your blog, maybe, or a product, or just to have a good-looking Pinterest board, or whatever, this book has some wonderful ideas for making photos look good. There's also a lot of good tips there for making any photo look good. So if you're interested in photography as a whole, yes, you might like to have a look at picture-perfect social media. Quickly, there are a number of websites that are ideal for making graphics for social media sites, such as Canva and PicMonkey. And if you want free photos to use in graphics, Pixabay has a lot of free photos as well. If you sign up for a Pixabay account, you can get full resolution photos free, which don't need any attribution. So there's a few things if you're interested in social media. If you would like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do that through iTunes, or you can follow it through Podbean, or you could just follow my blog, Stories of an Unschooling Family, where I embed the episodes every week. I'll also put the program notes up on my blog, so please feel welcome to visit. I'd like to thank you for listening this week, and I shall be back next week with another episode. So until then, trust, respect, and love unconditionally. Mm -hmm.